Well, here we find ourselves, uh, Zell. Episode three, what do you think? I think it's awesome. I think uh, I'm excited for uh, episode three. I am excited for episode three, too. And uh, it's so funny. I mean, Zell and I on Monday night were chatting about a future topic for the podcast. And we were like, yeah, we're, you know, we'll just kind of put that on jam and whip that out. And then we both kind of dove into the topic and, uh, and, and, and to Zell's credit him much more than I. And, and I think we've both come back and kind of had a discussion about it. We're like, yeah, that's going to be a little deeper dive. <laughs> you know, that, uh, that's something we're going to be doing in the future. So, um, kind of excited about it though. Um, but with that being said, I think, uh, it's still going to be a great show tonight. Well, it's something that we definitely need to probably talk about every month. You know, it's something that I believe a lot of people, you know, either they didn't read it or catch it, but the roadmap, you know, talking about the roadmap and how that's going to impact us in the game. Absolutely. And so, yeah, without further ado, we'll kind of uh, kind of uh, discuss that current roadmap update. I think, uh, you know, there was a roadmap update today. It was actually today is, uh, uh, you know, uh, six, eight, at least for another hour and a half. Here and uh, and at one o'clock today on six eight the roadmap roundup came up and um, and we're not necessarily gonna you know kind of go over it in infinite detail but we're definitely gonna hit on the major topics and there's a couple of things uh, you know to discuss with it so without further ado we'll go ahead and just kind of dive on in so one of the first things they mentioned is they they actually decided to kind of split up the derelict. Uh, reclaimer settlement as a point of interest uh, and the derelict reclaimer space mission so it looks like a couple different teams were assigned those and that makes sense you know obviously designing a POI versus maybe something that has a little more in-depth uh, you know kind of conversation and uh, I'm sure the, it involves the, the the player character teams and some of that other stuff if there's gonna be maybe a mission giver for some of that stuff uh, you can imagine that uh, those aren't the same teams usually now I believe a lot of that actually is to be set up for missions, uh, not as much point of interests or kind of loot diving, but more of uh, mission specific. Yeah, and that's, that's what they basically yeah, say here. You know, it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this point of interests. Uh, it's uh, card is it, it's been split into two distinct cards. You know, uh, due, due to the development work being uh, significantly different for each, right? So, uh, you know, they do want to have, of course, you know, your, your POI that you land with. If they're going to be doing some missions, some mission wrap around that, that's a little deeper dive. It's probably going to be a different team for sure. Oh, well, we could talk about <laughs> point of interest for a long time. Um, those are actually... A they're really ramping that up with the with the mighty bridge these guys from Montreal are really putting out the content and as it relates to Stanton I mean we we have a lot of things that people don't realize it, it's amazing uh, the amount of different little explorable places you can go to but these guys are just you know, just cranking it out. And I'm, I'm glad to see it by the time, 
by the time pyro hits, we'll we'll have a, a lot more expansion as it relates to things to go see and and do in, inside Stanton alone. Um, these new tools are allowing them to really expand that out at a pretty quick pace. Even, you know, not to go get off topic, but like these Lagrange points, you know, they're they're cranking them out pretty quick. Um, you know, if you'd seen some of those videos that the Montreal team had of, you know, building a space station from scratch, I mean, they were they were whipping that thing out fast. So that's crazy. Uh, you know, I, I expect to see a lot more. You know, even before Pyro. And you know, I knew the uh, derelicts had come. Or, you know, more derelicts had been introduced in 3.17, but it still didn't stop me from being incredibly stunned. Uh, I think I, I, you know, of course, uh, I spend a little time on Lyria. This probably comes as no surprise to anybody who knows, knows what I do in the game. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it was, I hit SAL5, and I just, I don't know, I just kind of took off from there and, and was kind of headed in a direction. And um, at some point, I just, you know, I wasn't far away from it. And I just, all of a sudden, I flew over. I'm like, what was that on the ground? You know, and I, I pivoted back and headed back over. It was a cat. You know, it was a cat derelict on the ground there. And yeah. I... I just was, there's something incredibly cool about that, just the feeling you get when you're kind of cruising over the planet surface, you know, and I, like I said, I knew the derelicts were there. I just happened to stumble across it randomly. I hadn't gone and looked at where the coordinates were or where they were. It just was, it was an organic thing that happened at the moment. And it was just like, and then I was faced with these decisions, you know, it's like, well, do I go down there? It's like, well, I only have my sidearm, you know, do I have extra, you know, med, uh, anything medical with me? You know, and of course I, you know, I always have my base kit with me, but I decided ultimately not to actually, uh, you know, to, to not, not really to go in it. You know what I mean? Because I figured I'll end up probably getting, if there's anybody down there, I may end up, you know, in, in a battle, but you know, like, uh, it was, um, you know, the fires that they had going, uh, the broken pieces kind of scattered and the fires, it was just, it was, I'll tell you mine. yeah, it was great. I'll tell you my experience, what makes it really cool because, you know, I'm, I'm a dark side miner. I always like to mine on the dark side a lot. So you're just cruising along, you know, just doing your thing, just, you know, scanning and looking and next thing you know, you see, you know, you see these fire in the distance and you know, the, the wreck spread over, you know, pretty, pretty large area. And then once you land, you're like, holy cow, this is, <laughs> this is a huge area. But seeing that, seeing that fire from space, that was pretty amazing. Yeah, that scale, I mean, and you, we've spoken to that a couple of times. And if you ever just happened to, you know, if you're prospector mining and you're quantanium mining in, you know, in particular, and when you get out and you, let's say you have to put one of those uh, uh, mining gadgets on a rock and you you don't really have a perspective on that scale till you land that ship and get out of it and go look at the size of that rock, it will blow your mind. They just don't seem that large, you know? I mean, this, and so I, I agree 100%. I mean, when you kind of get down on the ground and begin looking at that stuff, the game is insanely huge. I mean, you know, and- It really is. Uh- <laughs> You know, we mine thousands of rocks, <laughs> and every time that you know we stop to, uh, you know, to mark a point or whatever, you know, you're waiting for somebody to, you know, to come back with a, 
dropping off a load and you get out and you're looking, wow, how much bigger this rock is than my prospect. <laughs> that just that just shows you the scale. And you know, we've all been around a caterpillar. I mean, we know it's pretty good size. But it's amazing when you start putting things in this context of exploring them, you're exploring those segments and you're crawling through them, you're jumping up on platforms, you're jumping on crates, you know, you're trying to squeeze through doors. Um, and, you know, it takes a couple hours to fully explore one little caterpillar. You know, I say little, but, you know, it, it just goes to show you just don't, you don't realize the, the space and, and the, the size. It just, when you, when you stop to think about it, you're like, wow, I spent a lot of time in there. Because, you know, I'm a loot whore, man. So I, I'm <laughs> kind of a completionist. <laughs> I yeah, no, sure. I totally and understand. I found everything. <laughs> yeah, so I'm fine-tooth combing stuff. And you're just like, wow. You know, I, with all the puzzles, you know, that was something I, I believe was pretty awesome. And, I, you know, they're going to be expanding upon that a little bit. But, you know, doing these puzzles, the jumping puzzle, you know, those were always my favorite out of any game. You know, the, the exploration, the little jumping puzzles, it's the, the parkour problem stuff, solving. Yeah. yeah. No, you know, I, I, those, I agree with that 100%. Part. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and of course, you know, when you have kind of a tractor beam at your side, you know, and I mean that that makes it a lot a lot, a lot funner as well. And and um, you know, I will say two of the coolest feelings. I you know I mentioned kind of that ground thing. There's also like you know when you find like a space derelict, and you happen to kind of you know you're on one of those missions where you got to kind of identify the bodies for the family or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean that's you really do get a sense of. I mean it's a you know it's a you know, it's a scary, you know, like, I wouldn't, not so scary is the right word, but it's, it's definitely intense, you know, it's intense when you're looking around and all of a sudden, you know, it's very quiet and, you know, you just hear your guy breathing and, uh, and then you kind of round a corner and there's a guy floating there. It's like, oh, brutal, you know, that's just, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy thing. So yeah, they're, the derelicts are, you know, these are just one of the other many layers that just kind of bring life to Stanton, you know, and I, you know, and so, um, it, it is really exciting that they're kind of starting to expand in the different ship types. Of course, the, uh, you know, the, the, um, reclaimer ones are going to be enormous too, you know, coming, coming up. So that's going to be a lot oh, of fun. That, yeah. That's, that's going to be crazy fun, yep. you know, going, you know, up into those guys are, it's going to be pretty amazing. So here they say in the on the roadmap, you know, just so we don't pivot off too far, a variety of handcrafted, uh, narratively unique missions that have been created for the new derelict reclaimer rec sites in space. I mean, a variety of handcrafted, narratively unique missions. That's actually this feature has been added to the Alpha 3.17 column and is targeted for delivering Q2 at 3.17.2. So not long from now, a couple of weeks really, two three weeks I think from now, 3.17.2. So you know, you're going to have some some missions that are driven off of these derelict reclaimers. Um, and yeah, I honestly think that can that's just going to be fantastic. Just another another fun thing to go and do. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I can't wait. Did they all right, let's see, get through this? Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of different, you know, there's going to be a 600i. Yeah. 
Uh, they're going to be the MSR. Uh, you know, there's going to be quite a bit of those um, those crash sites. And <clears throat> at some point, I believe a lot of those are going to be more interactable um, than they are now, you know. I would imagine there's going to be maybe some salvage crossover in some capacities with them, you know. I mean, uh, potentially. Well, I was thinking, you know, I guess this is where we kind of look at that, right? Where, you know, are these points of interest or these, um, you know, mission locations? Because that's where a lot of this um, meshing's coming into play for the AI, right? Around you know around these uh, these derelicts. How much of that is going to be salvageable, and how much of those are going to just be hard points? You know, are they going to differentiate? <clears throat> well, I mean, they are going to differentiate, but what 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 amount of differentiation? between those points and say actual you know salvageable areas are going to be um you know am i going to get my oxy be able to get my oxy cutter and you know start cutting holes in these derelicts and you know and if that's the case then um you know how's that going to work for the next guy is you know is it kind of uh, based on a kind of the way things are now well, they've talked about this time lapse. A lot of different other games, yeah. Where yeah, the kind of this time lapse meta, right? Where they kind of get older. So you're absolutely raising an excellent point. Like maybe there's going to be some derelicts that are fresh. I mean, it looked like it crashed like a week ago, and there's still no one's found it yet, and there's still things in it. You know what I mean? Like when they first generate, maybe they'll have components in them that people will loot those, and they'll be gone, and then you know other people will come and you know, like you said, cut holes in different spots looking and. And those will, I mean, maybe potentially persist, you know, uh, until basically it's, you know, there's not a whole lot there. It's just kind of like a husk that just kind of rusts out. Yeah, know? well, <laughs> very interesting. And then I guess you kind of think of it this way, right? Because, you, you, you know, you want to have those experience, you know, those experiences for everybody. So um, you got to think of the rarity value. Are these going to be... Um, locked in a certain location where it's like, oh yeah, that's where that wreck is and, you know, we can go have our, you know, salvage gameplay you know, because we know where it is and then we have a, you know, we have a, a point for it, you know, so we can go find it. Or is it going to be procedurally generated where, you know, something that I was looking at earlier was you know, something that was on the roadmap a while back that's starting to come back was that that's on the on uh may's uh roundup for may was the new scanning and and how they're gonna all the new different scanning techniques that they're gonna be implementing whether it be fps or whatever and and they're gonna be based on your gameplay so when you go scan for salvage is it something that you can ping out into a location? Is it going to be mission driven where um, they'll be procedurally generated from a mission? Like you have that mission, it's like, oh, we'll go to this location. You know, um, such and such heard that there was a, a crashed reclaimer at XYZ and you go out there and then do your gameplay. Or are these going to be, you know, something that spawns up out in the verse? 
where you come across them, you, you know, scan for them and you go, oh, I got a ping. It's, you know, so many, you know, how far, you know, how far out <clears throat> scanning is going to be at that particular time. It's like, oh, I think we found a wreck. And then well, you go out and, you know, salvage it. So Yeah, it's a very good point. And I mean, you know, I mean, just and just to throw kind of an interesting thought on the fire. I mean, people crash ships all the time. You know what? If, <laughs> you know what? If you actually oh, yeah. you, you just crash a ship and that's just the the. You know, it just kind of marks it and just says, "Hey, we'll spin one of the, you know, we'll spin up this, uh, you know, this. Uh, it will be kind of a mission that will get spun up out of this. You know what I mean? And, and and maybe you know, obviously at that time, you know, if you're standing there, you may not necessarily have a derelict, but like you know, a week later, you know, it's like, hey, there was a crash here in this area, you know, and there was this type of ship or that type, you know, that type of thing. Uh, um, very interesting thoughts, you know, uh, how how. It, and I think you're actually, uh, you know, striking, raising a really good point. You know, um, the the scarcity of them, as well as you know, uh, when you were saying um, hard points. You know, like because you're absolutely right. If they're putting if they're putting tech into this AI planetary navigation, you know, and they're going to have you know AI walking around these particular things. Uh, you know, yeah, conceivably AI action. That you know, the whole point of you know the quanta. Yep. You know, being physicalized. So these, um, so these, a, uh, uh, the AI, uh, pirates blowing down some sort of transport ship and, um, you know, causing, you know, causing wreckage or, you know, a huge, huge AI battle with, um, the advocacy or, you know, any of the other security groups in Stanton, you know, causing, <laughs> causing a lot of wreckage, a lot of ships, you know, well, usually, and you, yeah. usually in those spots above, um, you know, above, you know, the planetary bodies. So all that, man, you and I have talked about that, that dream, it had right? so much potential and, and, it, and it can go a hundred different ways. You know, you and I have talked about that dream where you kind of roll up on like a, there'd been some kind of a, you know, maybe a medium or large scale battle. And there's a lot of just kind of husks and broken pieces of ships just kind of floating and just like, you know, maybe grabbing an SRV and dragging, you know, kind of going, you know, kind of going through that and dodging things as there's kind of floating by and, and, and like, oh, wow, this is a super cool piece of something, you know, and, and hooking the SRV onto it and hauling it out, you know, away into black, into the black. And then, you know, you know, you, you have your kind of your, uh, your, uh, um, your vehicle muncher there re ready to just kind of tear into it. Right. So, you know, well, that's the dream, <laughs> that you is know, the dream. exploring really these, the dream. exploring these far off systems and finding these ancient battles and, and you're like, Ooh, what happened here? And, or maybe some know, unique alien stuff or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's a huge deal. So, uh, <laughs> you and I, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get lost on that one. So, uh, these deliverables have passed their final review for 317.2, uh, which is, you know, like, uh, the additional Lagrange points, of course, the, the POIs in the space missions, uh, the AI uh, planetary navigation, which we alluded to, and then the illegal delivery missions, which I think you and I have spoke about a little bit in the last podcast, how uh, being able to utilize kind of small cargo stuff and make a few space bucks during that was great. And of course, then we also talked about the Siege of Orison. So 
all those things I think we talked about before have been committed as, you know, uh, as final review for 317.2, so it looks like most of that stuff's on track, and that's a good thing. Well, you know, we knew this patch was just going to be, you know, a big content patch. We did. But, you know, they're on, it seems like they're on task. And shortly after this patch goes live at the end of the month, then they're going to be working on 318. And, you know, that's going to be the foot in the door for the future. Oh, it's really going to light up then. I mean, and not that it's not now. I mean, because really there has been some really game changing things like refueling and some other things that have been a big part of 3.17, you know, um, but 3.18, I think we, you know, really there's some tech in there. Uh, there's some there's some future stuff there that really really does kind of wet the palate for sure. <laughs> oh, something that we can uh, kind of get on the beaten path about for sure. So, anyways, uh, kind of moving on here. Um, uh, th and this is the one thing you know, uh, one of the reasons I actually wanted to even just kind of um, visit the uh, um, visit the roadmap roundup today was this this particular thing that was on the progress tracker. So um, it's called uh, Vehicle Munching, which I really thought that that was a, you know, I really like that name. Salvage Vehicle Munching. Implementing oh. the ability to transform large chunks of metal salvaged from ships into a, a refinable material. Uh, this will use the grinder systems aboard salvage ships like the Vulture or the Reclaimer. The Reclaimer's got this massive gr grinder looking thing in it. Uh, you know, this deliverable has been added uh, to the EUPU gameplay feature team schedule. So, you know, of course, we, we don't necessarily need to speak to schedule or whatever. Uh, let's just stay in the dream. <laughs> I mean, I tell you, <laughs> you know. let me get chat. Let me give you a little context for this for you folks out there listening. So V is like, hey, did you read the roadmap for today? I, like, oh, I haven't got around to it yet. He goes, oh, we need to do the roadmap. I'm like, oh, okay. He goes, <clears throat> he was so excited. He goes, man, you just can't wait. Because that was one of the things is, was the vehicle munching part that we were, you know, when we saw the way the, the vulture was going to work, we were kind of like, oh, <laughs> lasers, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, it was a, a little bit, but uh, lasers. Um, yeah, this was something that we're like, oh, oh, yes, transforming we're, large we're chunks of metal uh, is, you know, it's just munching giant chunks of metal is that salvage to me, right? That's what salvage, uh, you know, it is. And, and of course, I understand that there's little pieces and big pieces, but you know, crunching down big pieces and just kind of turning them into into something <laughs> that's that's kind of what salvage is to me it's a big 101 for me in that capacity i am super excited about that well when i saw them working you know a lot of the things that kind of got brought up on the the ship q a a couple weeks ago they're talking about they're really talking about it and I, I revisited and i went back and and looked at a lot of different things and were talking about <clears throat> damage mapping Mm -hmm. And the way, you know, the hull breaks apart and things like that. Uh, that actually made the way they were really, really, really emphasizing the damage mapping that, you know, as it relates to combat, you're just not going to explode anymore. You know, whatever, you know, disables your ship, you know, whether you've blown the, 
a component out that disables the ship or, um, you know, it, it sustained a particular amount of damage where it stops functioning instead of just exploding. And then they kind of emphasize a little bit about <clears throat> how the sections are able, you know, how, how, how the ship breaks down into sections and things. And that really kind of piqued my interest because that's what's going to really make the salvage gameplay work is how these ships break down and how, how the pieces come off. Not necessarily, you know, like I said, we've, we kind of kick rocks a little bit when we're thinking, oh, the only thing that it basically we're going to do is be disintegrating, you know, the, the skin of the ship or something like that. And we're like, ah, oh, that is, that is not engaging gameplay. Well, yeah. Hull stripping is not salvage. I mean, I think that's, yeah. that's kind of, you know, and I, and, and I don't mean that, you know, I understand you have to have a, a, a tier zero. I'm not knocking it at all, but you know, mm -hmm. like salvage is a whole different situation than that. I mean, and I think you're hitting on a super important point. You know, um, when you kind of knock a ship out, you know, you know, if, if you knock out a component and it's, you know, it slows to a crawl, uh, and then you kind of board that ship and do, and do whatever, or if you, you know, there's a lot more salvage to be had if a ship has been disabled and, you know, and instead of just kind of disintegrated. I mean, I think that's the point you're, you're making. It's an excellent one, you know? Um, so, and I guess another thing too, is when someone say someone feels their ship was so damaged it was unrecoverable so they just claim it Abandoned. you know they do it, an insurance claim does that hole or does it disappear and become the rebuild ship or is a rebuild ship sort of like how how it kind of works now when we reclaim a ship that other ship will persist um, is that how it's going to work where the old hull of the ship will remain and when you claim a new one? Um, it's a great question. I mean, and you, you know, we've talked about this kind of this nomad fleet or, you know, like a type of thing. And there are going to be some pirate organizations that I bet are banking on that, right? They're going to, they're going to go through, they're going to attack people. Uh, they're going to destroy their ships. And they're very much hoping that there's going to be some things left there for them to kind of pick through, you know, uh, you know, they want to, you know, if you get your salvage crews out there, uh, you know, and kind of, you know, vultures a good term. You want to kind of get on those things and get all, get all the fuel out of them that you can and get all the components out of them that you can. And, you know, anything that's, you know, worth, you know, has any value to it kind of get it processed and that certainly won't be the case if somebody just kind of goes back to you know you blew me up i'll get out of the bed run over to the terminal and claim the ship and it's just it's, just, it's yanked out of the verse you know so um, then again you know when persistence when we're, when we're in an age of persistence i mean is the system just gonna be <laughs> just gonna be littered with um you know broken down ships you know how fast are people are going to get out and, and salvage those things? I wonder. Maybe is it going to be, gonna be like maybe, tons of them? Yeah, that's a great question. Maybe maybe it'd be cool if you could tag something. If you tagged it, then it could be you know it could persist longer. You know, type of thing like you know like if you killed but you killed somebody and you're like I'm I'm going to come back and I'm going to tear this thing apart and see what's in it. Mm -hmm. You know, and you could put some kind of a tag on it or whatever for like a salvage claim or whatever. 
type of thing on it. Kind of an interesting thought. That is, yeah. Uh, if it's any indication of the way thing, <laughs> things work these days, it's, you know, if you've just, uh, if you've been anywhere in Star Citizen, where you see the, you know, 50 boxes laying around all over the place where uh, people had dropped their their med gowns, you know, is it going to be that kind of situation where, you know, people get go out and they're dogfighting or whatever and get blown up and, you know, it's going to be the equivalent of uh, of one of those gowns just laying about the area. <laughs> it works for us because you know we love we love the idea of going up there and and. and you're right. When you told me about that, that was very exciting to me. Vehicle munching. Yeah, vehicle munching. I mean, it's, it's great, you know. So the next thing on there, you know, um, is very interesting. And it's something I think we've kind of, it's so strange because I think we've kind of on the periphery talked about this, like how, how this is going to work. And freight elevators is not something that I ever really kind of thought about prior to this. I'm sure they were mentioned. I think I have heard of it before, but it did pop back up, right? So implementation of systems and content for players to physically load and unload cargo to and from their ships by conveying cargo to and from hangars, landing pads, garages, and docking collars. So freight elevators, I mean, this is going to be, you know, you'd imagine, uh, so you go down and you, or you stop at a station, you order some freight. There's going to have to be some way that that freight gets kind of put into a spot where you can uh, get a hold of it, you know. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I, you know, for me, more the remote outposts, uh, you know, like it's always kind of how on earth, you know, like if I'm going to land on some like a remote outpost and I don't see a whole bunch of titanium sitting there, how am I supposed to fill my cargo hold? You know with the physical eye stuff but you know here nor there i think the freight elevators are probably going to play out more in like your stations and that type of thing well that's the way i see the the freight elevators and uh something that was kind of explained and this has been holy crap years ago but when your hanger becomes persistent and that shouldn't be too long they say after <clears throat> after they get the sharding and the meshing done that you know, your hab and your hanger, and I think your hanger was coming before your hab, your persistent hanger where you store things, um, that's how that's going to come into play. Yeah, I think that was originally slated, slated for 3.17 almost, it seems seems like. You know, I know it got pushed or whatever, but... Yeah, I, it, it does, yeah, that does sound, sound right. But yeah, if we go back on the tracker and see... That is interesting. You know, like, uh, um, I didn't think about that. I mean, it's an interesting point that you do raise uh, when it comes to uh, freight elevators kind of, and how they would, you know, how you would be able to move a, a lot of stuff, you know, to your, you know, to someplace else from your hangar. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, it's an interesting thing. It probably will work in a similar fashion to the way that the medical um, hangers work. You know, when you land in like a, a landing zone and you can kind of somehow or another get somebody over to one of the medical uh, bays or whatever, and then they just kind of disappear and they kind of wake up and, <laughs> you know, in like the uh, hospital. It's pro they're probably going to work very similar to that type of thing. Well, it says the in the progress tracker that it's going to be a second quarter all the way to the first quarter of 23. So from September to February, 
that's when they're going to be working on that. Yeah, so I, so I, I wouldn't believe, you know, I wouldn't think that they would deliver persistent hangers or anything like that before they got, you know, some of the things that make them work done, like the freight elevators. Yep, and, and we kind of, you know, like just to make sure everybody understands, we kind of. There, the, there were these things that were for 317.2. We've moved on to progress tracker stuff. You know, I hope, yeah, it's one of the things, uh, you know, that's just kind of coming up in the future. Vehicle munchings in the future. Freight elevators are in the future. They're just being added to the to the feature team's schedule. And just, you know, just because they're added doesn't necessarily mean that they're even going to be done in those time frames. But they're, it's just kind of, they're kind of fun to talk about. And, and, um, and definitely... Uh, definitely can add, you know, you can see how they're going to add to the, you know, to the experience, you know, to, of, of the gameplay for sure. That's interesting. The docking collars. I was just looking at that again. Wow, it's going to be a pretty, pretty giant docking collar. I guess in a way that a lot of these, if, you know, if you have a, one of those ships that is not landable and you have to dock it on one of these stations, you know, how do you get cargo? <laughs> you know, when when uh, cargo becomes physicalized, how do you get cargo in it? I guess they, you know, they drop it off at the docking collar. That's gonna be pretty wild. That is gonna be pretty wild. I mean, um, huh? Yeah, I guess docking. Yeah. You know, you're making a really excellent point, kind of pulling the docking collars out of there in particular. Uh, I mean, obviously, you, you know. You, you, if you've ever ran down one of those docking collars that, like, if you run out to an 890, it's a pretty big tube. I mean, it's nothing, you know. We were, uh, we were doing a video uh, for a buddy of mine, and we're trying to explain how big a particular ship was. Well, it was, it was during Invictus. And we were lining up side by side across that docking collar that went to the Javelin. And it took more than side by side. It was like twenty something bodies side by side all the way across. Wow. Yeah. So, so there. Yeah, those collars can be pretty big. I mean, it, it's actually it's the thing, right? You, I guess you when you stop and and. Uh, and, and look at some things you appreciate the scale of this game i mean that, that it is one of those things that we'll just keep coming back to again and again and again and it's 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 the awe and the audacious nature of star citizen star citizen is taking on um scale like no other game really has quite honestly oh yeah it's people ask all the time shut up you know is a good time you know i have friends of mine it's a good time to play the game and I was like, if you like to be odd all the time, yes. <laughs> it's, a very, it, uh, it's a very good way to put it. Has it. it you know, look, it has its shortcomings. It's it's still far from completion. Um, but hey, we play it. You know, we play it every week, and uh, we still we still get that off factor. Oh, so. absolutely, all the time. So moving on, we got the new player experience. This, and I thought this was kind of an interesting read. An initiative for improving the initial first 30 minutes of gameplay experience, uh, which will help players understand the context of the world. 
and introduce them to some Star Citizen's basic features. This will include updates to landing zones, spaceports, habs, shops, and more. Uh, so this deliverable has been added to the EU landing zone team schedule. So, you know, it's, I guess at some point, you, maybe you're going to, you're going to, um, experience your first 30 minutes someplace else than a landing zone. I think that's the thing, one of the things I take out of that. Well, let's just face it. Star Citizen has a huge learning curve. Oh, absolutely. The way it is, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, presently. <laughs> Uh, we we lack a lot of tools right now, and I think this is one of the first steps <clears throat> of getting acclimated to the game. Um, yes, the star map is going to be changed within the next year. Yes, the Moby Glass is, you know, Moby the 2.0 is getting a huge rehaul. Rehaul. Um, that are you know that's that's some of the points right now for a new player that you know if you're just you know trying it out for the first time those might be some sticking points well you know, it, the the non-functionality of a lot of those things it, it's hard for some players it is and all mmos have those i mean mmos usually you, you know i mean it's very rare that an mmo mmo doesn't have like your first 30 minutes where it's going to teach you how to, you know, you know, WASD, you know, uh, you know, what's jump, what's eat, what's crouch, what's, you know, how, how are you going to draw a weapon? How are you going to put out, put out a medical tool? You, you, you have to have some, I think, you know, obviously, you know, some context about the world itself is, is, is absolutely helpful as well. You have to have kind of like the basics. I mean, you know, I know, um, uh, you know, and, and I know that you are as well, Zell. So, I mean, you know, being a fairly astute um, MMO, you know, player, uh, you know, the first time I got him, I got this flag and tried to uh, to take off at Area 18. I mean, I was, you know, it took me, you know, I had to ask globally, like, why can't I leave? And they're like, but you hit K to VTOL your engines, you know? I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't take off, you know, I got to only go so high. So, you know, um, the I think, you, like you said, the learning curve is steep. And, and having some kind of a situation where people can kind of get acclimated um, is pretty pretty standard fare for MMOs. And, uh, you know, it looks like they're, you know, Star Citizen probably wants to do a similar thing. Well, they... With the way, thi with the way things have been going, we are seeing a huge influx of new players. Yeah. And adding the new player experience to keep that retention, it's key. You know, you don't want a situation where, <clears throat> like all these guys came in during Invictus, and, you know, how many of them were like, oh man, this is just too darn complicated. It's pretty janky. Yeah, it is definitely not ready. I may be back, you know. You don't, you don't want those first, I mean, even the small ones, you don't want those first experiences be a t total turnoff. I couldn't agree more. And to keep, you know, to keep, keep those new players, you know, engaged and involved. Uh, I would like to see, you know, they're talking about, <clears throat> you know, the introducing a lot of that stuff. I honestly believe 
it needs to be more than say a 30 minute experience. Heck, it would take you more than 30 minutes just to learn the key bindings for FPS, let alone all the different chip key bindings you have. I agree, I think you're right. I think, you know, this is probably their first stab at it, you know, just to kind of get, you know, you gotta kind of cobble something together at first, but I 100% agree. I think that there should be, um, you know, something that's your first 30 minutes of FPS, your first 30 minutes of space flight, maybe your first, you know, some somebody who like, you know, some kind of a like a mission, like a, almost like a single player type mission where maybe you go on a cargo run and and you're oh. just the co-pilot and there's a pilot who actually flies the ship and kind of tells you kind of talks you through what he's doing, you know, something like that. Or maybe you're, you know, there's there's, you know, you're just you're just a passenger on like your uncle's old junker that he's going to you know take take you for a spin in or something, you know, whatever, you know, something like that. What I would like to see is. At all the different starting locations, you know, whether it be Area 18, Microtech, I would like to see at least three or four hours of gameplay on the ground in those areas at the very beginning. Running, you know, running missions and things, uh, being able to explore the city a little bit better. I don't know how many times we see in chat is like, you know, how do I, how do I get to such and such, and how do I get back and you know, a lot of a lot of that would would help if when they expand, you know, they've, they've spoken about expanding a lot of a lot of the city areas way out. Yeah. Ground but, vehicles, yeah. roads, you know what I mean? It's like maybe, yeah, maybe in order to earn your first spaceship or, you know, to kind of to get to the terminals or whatever, or to earn your wings, you got to do some things. You know what I mean? Type of thing. Well, that's the thing. If you don't play, you know, I'd like to see how that works out and <clears throat> not to go off the road too much, but um like you know they say playing start you know um squadron 42 you know gives you your citizenship i mean that you know it's the whole basis of the game right is earning your citizenship and if you're a new player didn't play squadron 42 how do you earn you know how do you earn your wings maybe in those uh couple hours of missions that's how you earn your wings so you're able to you know, fly your first ship. And, and you know, they're really going to, if you think about it, I mean, Squadron 42 is they began to kind of really ramping that up and pushing it out. I mean, they're going to be really poised if they were ever going to put some kind of some, some more linear opening sequences in for the PU. You know, I mean, you're going to have a, a very well-oiled team coming away from Squadron 42 for, for that type of thing. And it probably would be a breath of fresh air for some of those teams as well. You know, oh. You know, and so an interesting thought for sure. So, um, I think it's a, I think it's a healthy like making sure new players have a good experience is super healthy for the game, and that's I think it's it's uh, it's an important thing. I think it's essential for the game. Absolutely. So moving on, uh, this next one's kind of interesting. Player kind of slash machine physical interaction, and and I think this is like they say impl uh, initial implementation of animations that show the player interacting with ship controls and items. So I think like if you're sitting there in a co-pilot seat, like let's say I have something mapped to my stick, you know, like if I kind of like open the doors or something, my character would actually reach down and physically maybe flick a switch or something. It's, that that kind of I think that actually could be really cool, um, you know, or. You know, uh, they also talk about interacting with other areas of the cockpit, and they also talk about interacting with other machines and items like locker doors. I'm sure you know there's all sorts of, you know, like these um, 
food food vending machines, that type of stuff. You know, I would imagine that's all going to kind of play into that tech. Well, I guess this is that the beginning to all that. All those buttons on the ship are supposed to be interactable. Yes. You know, you, you can interact with each individual little button that, um, you know, that has, if the ship has a particular functionality. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, we sit here and we have, you know, like our, our joysticks and our keyboard and our mouse. You know, when, when your character sits physically in there, uh, you know, the, there there is supposed to be a switch, a, a knob, a, a button, you know, physicalized for every one of the things that you can do in, in there. And, and that's, you know, that's just basically the, the tie-in, making it look cool. I mean, there's nothing cooler than, you know, watching, you know, like if you watch kind of like uh, uh, somebody piloting, a, you know, like a plane or something, you know, all the things that they're doing, kind of looking up, kind of clicking this, clicking that. I think, uh, you know, you see that kind of in the Star Wars movies as well, you know, when they're about to go to hyperspace type of thing, you know, they're clicking all the stuff, getting ready, and, you know, you know. All the preparation. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, that type of thing. So I think that's, that's a, you know, that's, that's, that's an interesting thing. And, and of course, like I said, uh, any, any time that you have where it looks more realistic is, uh, is, you know, and that's what Star Citizen goes for, you know, that's. That's where a lot of our immersion is going to come from as well. Truly. It's, is interacting, you know, when you, when you hit a key bind on your keyboard or a key bind on your joystick, you're going to see your character, you know, flick that switch or hit that button. And that's, you know, that's going to bring the immersion level up. You, you know, it's going to be, going to be huge. And, and for people that, you know, love big sandboxes like this. That's, you know, those, those little details, That that's what gets us, you know? I agree 100% with that. So moving on, we got the uh, Aegis Retaliator base. And it's so, uh, you know, you know, not to, not to give too much away, but this is something that's right up our alley right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, building, implementing, and balancing the base variant of the Aegis multi-crew combat ship. Uh, the Retaliator is a game-ready vehicle. So, you know, right now, most people who play Star Citizen who are familiar with the Retaliator know the Retaliator's got these, uh, you know, these things that it can do. Um, right now, there's one Retaliator in the game. It's the Torpedo version of it. But there are there are going to be these modules that can switch things up in it and, and that type of thing. And they don't have the base variant in there right now. They... You know, they just basically the only one that's in the game right now is the is kind of the missile boat version of the of the retaliator or the or the modular torpedo version of it. And so, uh, getting the base one in place is probably one of the um, you know beginnings to kind of getting the rest of the modular things for the uh, Aegis retaliator in place. Well, I tell you, for the retaliator, for people out there that uh, are looking for you know kind of that that mid range. Uh, money to spend, you know, if you're going to spend um, money on a game, on this game, buying a ship that is modular is probably the way to go. And the Retaliator, you know, dollar for dollar is probably the best bang for the buck right now. Because you can, for the base, you know, let me clarify that, for the base Retaliator, it's probably the best bang for the buck. How much is the base retaliator? It's, it's 150. Yeah. It's 150 bucks. And when the modularity comes in, if if they're you know working on the base right now, so 
you would think the modularity is coming pretty soon. So you can add um, cargo capacity. You can um, add, um, turn it into a dropship. It has dropship modules. It has different components to change out a lot of the different rooms to make it more of a cargo hauler than a than a um, military variant. They have living it's, quarters, like one of those things. It's yeah. living quarters. Yeah. Um, all these things, and you're going to get to keep your seven turrets. <laughs> so, but it's it's going to be one of those things where <clears throat> you're going to get bang for your buck out of that out of that particular base model because you can do a lot of different things with it. it. It's one of the things where, you know, a lot of the ships in the game, you know, people buy it because, ooh, that's cool. But they don't think about what are they really gonna do with it in the future? Is it something that they can make money with? Because the first thing when you go, when, you, when the game goes live is you're gonna have to start making money somehow. And if you say spend a lot of money on you know, that's why I would never recommend buying fighters. Um, because, you know, they just don't have um, the variations that you could do with, you know, you, yeah, you can go do bounty missions, but that's the only function that they have. You can't run cargo. You can't um, use it to say, um, uh, go run mining materials. Yeah, any of these things, the retaliator as it is right now, if it's in its modularity, you could do like a, you know, you can run cargo missions, <clears throat> especially if you're a person that, you know, lacks a more varied gameplay experience. Something that's modular is the way to go. Um, and, you know, it's the same thing. That's the reason why, you know, the Connie's are, you know, are, are pretty popular. Yeah, Although, I, uh, I, yeah. I, I believe mean, the counties are kind of overpriced, but that's that's my thought on it. But yeah, well, I, I, listen, I think you're 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 striking some really good points. I mean, um, when you start in Star Citizen, you, um, um, Zell's absolutely right. I think uh, if you just buy a fighter, like especially like a Mustang, you know, like that, you you really don't have a lot of wiggle room. You're just combat that's what you're doing now there's fps combat you know you can land and go in some bunkers and and you you um you can uh, of course uh, do this the space combat missions but if you happen to buy something that's got you know a little more jack of all trade like a cutlass black or you know like an agent's retaliator um you, it's gonna have a lot more it can do a lot more you know something like a uh you know a, a cutlass black you can still do some of the you know, um, mid to even mid high level um, bounty missions, but then you can also turn around and haul an ROC with it. You know what I mean? And you can do some some mining stuff with it. You can do some light cargo hauling with it with 46 SCU. Uh, but the, the, as far as like these, because there's a lot of ships that are going to have modularity. I, I know that the big three that get talked about are kind of the Retaliator, uh, the you know the, the Caterpillar, and I think the Endeavor is the other you know is the other one. There are other ships too, you know. But I'm you know that hundred and fifty dollar price point on the Retaliator base is is a pretty solid um, investment because of that because of that you're going to have the different styles of gameplay that you're going to be able to do. You want to take a bunch of people with you someplace, throw in the, 
you know, throw in the drop ship. You know, if you want to kind of a home away from home type of thing, throw in the living quarters. If you want to go uh, really hunt down some idrises, throw in, throw in the torpedo. Throw in the torpedo bays. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So it's that kind of being able to, you know, to kind of, you have one ship, but you can just kind of swap things out and it can specialize a little bit. Uh, that, uh, there's not a lot, I mean, it, it, the other way to do that is to buy multiple ships, <laughs> you know? So that's, that's what we're saying. That's why it's such a value, right? You're buying one ship and then you're just, you know, getting the different pieces, you know, the different modular pieces for it. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's, there's a lot to be said for it, for sure. I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, those who, those who kind of, you know, kind of think about that, that stuff and, and boy, we sure do. <laughs> um, you know, it, it is going to be interesting as that modularity kind of get moves forward. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you do a lot of different things with it and, mm -hmm. and then that, and that's, that's the cool part about it. Um, I know there's a lot of different other ships that, you know, are similar, but I'd say bang for the buck. If you want something that has a multiplayer gameplay, because this thing has seven turrets, you know, you guys could get out into the verse and, you know, really do a lot of different things with it. Or if you're a solo, you know, you're a solo cargo runner, <clears throat> you put that cargo module in, you'll be able to run cargo. And, you know, one of the things that I would like to recommend for anybody just getting into the game is buy a ship that's going to make you money. Because, you know, if things that's near and dear to us, mining, salvage, uh, you know, doing cargo hauling, all these things that we, we like to do, all this industrious gameplay, these things make money. Yep. And you want to you want to make the most bang for your buck as it relates to games, because when the game goes live, that's how you purchase other ships in the game. Yep. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely not saying that, you know, like, don't buy the fighters. Just don't spend money on it. Make sure that you're going to spend money on um, if you got the cash, <laughs> by all means. Uh, but I'm saying, if you know, if you're if you're limited on a budget, sure, you you want to buy the best bang for the buck. Not to say that you know you you were talking about the Cuddy, um, yeah, Cuddy is a is a good bang for the buck. Um, the uh, Titan, the Avenger Titan, great bang for the buck. Absolutely, all, all these things have multiple roles. You yeah. know, you can you can do multiple roles with these ships. You know, uh, like the Titan Avenger, you can haul little cargo. You could do bounty hunting missions with it. You can even sneak, um, sneak a bike up into that thing. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can cram cram a bike in there. Um, but you, you can do a lot of... Th it has a lot of variable gameplay that you can do with it. Um, as if, you know, don't get me wrong. <clears throat> I mean, one of the... One of the first packages that I ever bought was the Mustang package because, you know, the Mustang looks cool. It does look cool. But you'd probably be better off, you know, um, getting a, getting like a Avenger Titan or e even the, um, even the other, you know, the other uh, $40 game packages. Yeah, well, but, uh, I mean, an Aurora. I mean, you know, j yeah, just because it's got a little bit of space to do the box missions, right? You, if you get the Aurora with the four guns on it, it's slightly less combat capable but more or less on par 
from a combat standpoint, but then you ask, you know, you absolutely can then haul boxes as well. Now, um, you know, I'm always the, I, I think you, you mentioned the Titan Avenger a few times, or the Avenger Titan a few times, and, and I, um, Death Ships, I mean, that's, it's still, at that price point currently, is, is, uh, is a really, really, really good ship, I think. That's probably, I think, that's, there's a reason why so many people recommend it. It's just because of the versatility. You have a little bit of cargo space, uh, a bed, uh, you know, it's got a size 4 gun on the front, you know, it's, you know, there's a lot going on for, you know, for that thing in that, at, at, at that price point, and I think that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, there's a good thing to be said about that. So kind of, uh, you know, kind of wrapping up here on the, um, on the, uh, the old road map roundup, uh, and kind of, <laughs> and no slouch in and of itself, the, the Anvil Crucible. Uh, building, implementing, balancing the Anvil ship uh, repair platform, the Crucible, as a game-ready vehicle. So that also has been added. So, you know, uh, the Crucible is one of those critical pieces of that Nomad fleet, um, you know, I think going forward, you know, uh, and, you know, one of the things, one of my favorite gameplay loops to, to pontificate about um, is taking, a, you know, salvaging a ship, salvaging components off a ship, you know, hauling those components, you know, over to something like the Crucible and repairing those components, taking those components over to your, say, your Endeavor, and then using, um, you know, speaking of modularity, you know, using uh, the, you know, one of those um, module components, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I forgot what it's called, but it, it basically is for overtuning or overclocking components. It's kind of, I think it's called like a quantum accelerator or something. It's a, it's a weird name. I, yeah, I, I can look it up. Um, but you know, then you, once you have your, you know, these um, components, just kind of, you know, you've salvaged them, you've repaired them, then you've overclocked them, overtuned them, or whatever, made them better than what they were. Then you take it over to your, your Bannon merchantman and put them out. You know, you know, you know, sell them. It's an important sell them. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's a. To me, wow, you know, I mean, obviously, mining really is the most near and dear thing to my heart, but that particular thought, you know, uh, is also one that really, um, you know, really the crucible is, is, is a critical piece of that and a, also just a critical piece of pyro going forward, I think. Well, it's going to be a mainstay for medium to large orgs. You know, large orgs will have several of them, you know, yep. we'll have a couple of them, but they're going to be essential. You know, along with the Liberator, they're you know they're going to be a, a, a central ship for moving further into the verse. You know, whether it, you know, we're looking you know far ahead into the future. These are the things that you're going to need to move, you know, multiple systems outward. You know, to whether whether you're you know looking for your you know home base or. Or you know you're you're looking for the gameplay in those particular systems, ships like the Crucible, ships like the Liberator, ships like something that we may touch on a little bit later, the Starfare, all essential ships for that particular gameplay. Absolutely essential. That was called the Super Collider. That was one of the modular pieces of the Endeavor. Super Collider, right? Yeah, this elaborate overclocking facility includes a pair of white room workbench labs. Ideal for tweaking and overclocking ship components like weapons or thrusters, uh, pushing them to their theoretical limits. And that hits on something where, you know, I mean, one of the things I know, you know, you and I circle around uh, 
a lot and talk about Star Wars Galaxies. Um, and Galaxies had a very, very, probably, in my opinion, the early part of Galaxies had probably the best crafting system ever in an MMO. And I don't, I don't even know that it's close, but that's my, oh, it's opinion, it's my opinion. But one of the things that could happen when you, when you, um, when you did crafting right in, in uh, Star Wars Galaxies where you would just get these lucky, just one-offs, you know, that you just did this crazy thing that, you know, like you took all of these, um, all the best, um, the best different components to create this thing. But then there was also this chance as you kind of, uh, you know, as you kind of um, crafted it, that it may just be... Oh, and Jesus blesses you. <laughs> right. RNG Jesus just intervenes and like it just does something like incredible. Yep. And well, and I really hope, I mean, I because, re- you know, Star Citizen, I mean, you know, who knows how the, who the um, crafting will be in the future or whatever, or what crafting there will be and, you know, what the scale is. But if they do do crafting, I really would like to see like, and I and I really, it doesn't even bother me if some guy's out there in a Gladius and for whatever reason, his Gladius is just, you know, one and a half times more maneuverable than mine because somehow or another he got RNG to just bless him with, with this crazy overclock on his, uh, you know, on his thrusters or something, you know? You know, engineering, those are the big thing. Those are the big things that we talk about a lot yeah. and how, how the implications of engineering and, you know, just the ability to hot rod something up, you know, to its maximum. Absolutely. I mean, we come from me, you know, I'm such a mini maxer, you know, I'm such a nerd. I make spreadsheets for, yeah. you know, for the littlest things, you know, we're talking about how <clears throat> I'm kind of having that A team moment. I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah, absolutely. How, how, uh, you know, just doing theory crafting on my spreadsheet, you know, opened up a whole whole different gameplay um, avenue for us uh, as related to mining. Things that, you know, running across things that people haven't touched on yet because sometimes I think, you know, a lot of players take the game for granted and think, ah, well, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these different um, things of the game are, you know, they're not, they're not working as intended and that is true but there's some things that people kind of overlook um when you're talking about modules or you know uh laser heads and things like that uh, there is you know we're finding out there you know there's a lot of different ways of of, uh, of um, tweaking a lot of that out and we really love that uh that mini max part of uh part of the game and the fact that we could take a super collider and really go in there and tweak each individual component and just hot rod that ship up. That that just that's that's so amazing. It, it's one of those things um, with Star Wars Galaxies, like we were saying. You know, I'm about to hit that that uh, hit that four wheel button, so we're going to be going off road in here pretty soon. But uh, love it. Um. <laughs> you brought up you know you brought up <laughs> what's funny is you brought up the Banu Merchant and Star Wars Galaxies at the same time and then you know then another world went off in, a whirlwind went off in my head thinking well 
especially when it relates to crafting. Uh, what are you know? What are you going to be able to do on on the merchantman? It's like yes, it's it's um, you know it's going to be a marketplace. It's going to be a place where people sell things. But what are they going to be selling? I believe, to be honest, I believe that crafting is going to be have to become an essential part of the game, sort of how it was in Star Wars Galaxies. It may not be the same, but where, you know, we were out every every week, at least within a week, maybe a couple days, chasing a particular, um, whether it be an ore or, um, you know, some sort of um, polymer. Yep. When, yeah. when these things spawned up, you know, we were looking for the, you know, the highest concentrations, what kind of quality yeah. it had. Uh, and if it had the best quality, you know, we were putting uh, putting extractors on it, and we're putting, you know, the the wells on them, and uh, we were extracting all that out because <clears throat> that was an essential part of your crafting because you got the better quality materials, you most definitely would make the best quality uh, items, like. It was very varied, even even down to, it, and that was the beauty part about, say, galaxies, because, heck, everything that you used, you could craft, whether it was down to your workbench, your droid, uh, the clothes that you wore, yep. so you had like a, an apron, uh, these aprons could, they called them tapes, but basically they were, they were these enhancements that, you know, gave you you know, plus percentage, you know, or, you know, uh, or uh, multiples, you know, you can create, uh, you know, multiples of one particular item. It's all these different buffs that you would get. And you you essentially, with all the best material, could make a legendary quality item. Now, I know Star Citizen isn't going to be, isn't going to be that fleshed out, but, you know, Chris Roberts did say you know, at the beginning of the year that uh, crafting is going to have to come into the game. Why? And, you know, and, and what extent that is, I don't know. Yeah. But that, that got me thinking is what, you know, what are you going to, you know, all the different things that are you going to sell on the Banu Merchant? Is it just going to be things that you looted? Um, you know, is it going to be components? You know, and and who who are going to be selling these? Is it going to be NPCs? Or are you going to make a deal with uh, player characters where they can use you know use your marketplace to sell things? I mean, uh, I'm very curious to how that kind of gameplay is all going to work out. So, you know, I mean, and I I agree with that a thousand percent. I mean, I you know 100% agree with with what you're saying. Um, as far as how it's going to work out, I really do. I mean, you know, if, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a wish and who, you know, I'm just a guy, but I really do hope that if they decide to introduce crafting into the game, that they do take a long and hard look at the way that, uh, that galaxies did crafting. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's other ones as well, but, uh, you know, you talk about like when in the, when we were just reading the the super collider earlier. I was talking about theoretical limits. 
I mean, that was the, one of the things about Galaxies that I really thought was neat, right? It's like, so you started out, there'd only been, you know, if this, the first month went by, you just whatever, you got your best metal you could find, your best polymer you could find, your best this, your best that, your best, and then you brought it back together and then you could make a gun that had, you know, whatever stats on it. But as time wore on and different things spawned with different um, qualities and different, um, uh, there were these individual stats on everything that you could you could harvest, um, and you know you could kind of get this you know talk about spreadsheets this kind of this magic group of things together over a period of a couple of years of harvesting, um, and then you know you take that and you have you know like you said the different uh, cra items that you would wear when you would craft and you know and the things that would be in your workbenches and those types of things, and you know it kind of it does sound a lot like the super collider in a way you know. Where you would oh, yeah. you would really then just kind of push something to its theoretical limit, where I mean, like you said, there's like legendary quality, like you know, if you the the, the gun that you had, I mean, they're the same gun, they look the same, but you know, it, it was it was you know, it's incredible the, the the stats, you know, like after a couple of years of, of harvesting, you know what I mean, like uh, how how incredible those things were. Now, like I said, that it's a bit of a deep dive, like you said, we were kind of working. You know, we're going to put it in four-wheel drive and, and get off the beaten path here. Um, you know, I definitely hope that, you know, if there's some kind of a crap... I don't necessarily know that it needs to be quite where everything has multiple um, stats on it and that type of thing. But I do hope that they, that they do at least introduce these randomizations where you can... If you found... Like, you know, maybe there's some higher quality things or something or another. And if you just kind of put the right things together, all of a sudden you are making, you're crafting really high quality things, you know, and then people like all of a sudden, like, it's like, wait a minute, that's the guy who makes those XL1 drives that are even, you know, like you could become no, like you happen to know that if you go to this one system and you just kind of grab the aluminum there, and then you go to this other system and you grab, uh, you know, the, 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 the diamond there, and you go to this other system and you grab the corundum there, and you use, those are your three base components for this thing you're making. For whatever reason, it just comes out better when you make that item than, than some of the other things. Like, something like that would be amazing to me. And it does add a little bit more complexity to the game. And it's not too far off of what they've already said that you could specialize as an engineer, you can specialize in, you know, using the collider and, you know, being able to tweak a particular item, you know, up to its, you know, theoretical limit. And they did say that, you know, you could specialize in that. So <clears throat> adding that point where you know, where not everybody's gonna wanna do it, where you have to run, you know, pretty far out and say 10 different places to get all the best material uh, to make a particular, or to upgrade a particular item to be the best and say, you you were the guy. And we had that in Galaxies as well. You know, you had a lot of the crafters that did specialize in certain items, you know, you had the one, you know, because I had the best T-71 rifle in the game because exactly. this one guy had a, you know, had a thousand, thousand, thousand of thousand, you know, and I'm sorry, I, 
to give you a little context, uh, a thousand quality was the best of the best of the best. Right. When you were looking for a particular um, uh, ore or anything, and if you found you found it in a large quantity at a thousand percent, everybody and their mother would be out, would be out there trying to mine that particular yeah, material. And it spawned, you know, in random locations all the time. It was never the same place. So you, and this is another great thing. You kind of, you kind of go back into what we were saying. You would have to actively go search for it. You, you would, you, you had a, a little sensor, and it would, it would start looking for different materials, and it would tell you if you were in a. If you're in a higher quantity of it, you know, it would, it would start out somewhere like 20% and you'd go in a particular direction and you, you'd, you'd kind of have to coordinate it. It's like, oh, it's 20% here, but it's only 15% here, so it must be back this way. And then you started, you know, finding where the, or the, um, it was at a higher percentage. You'd go from that 55% to 70% to 80%, and then finally you'd hit that, that one spot. And if, if you were out there before everybody else and there wasn't a, you know, a, um, a hundred mining nodes, <laughs> yep. uh, then, then you'd plop down your miner yep. and, uh, and, and, and get that large, you know, quality stuff. I mean, that stuff became so valuable in the game. Like, you know, like, um, for, you know, you know, and it's just the one thing I want to say, I mean, just kind of before I circle back to the, to that part of it is, one of the most, you know, one of the reasons I was so endeared to Star Wars Galaxies is just for that particular thing, right? You had this whole concept of, I mean, I remember being out there before there were even ground vehicles, like using mounts or even on foot, you know, um, trying to locate things to put the harvester fleets on when you had just, when I was down, you know, I had my first one or two, you know, um, uh, you know, harvesting uh devices you know what i mean um but i i actually made made quite a bit of money selling locations to people it's like i would find the really good location maybe an 87 percent spot you know and then from there it would kind of radiate around every from that one spot it would go 86 85 and drop off you know but once you kind of got your fleet up uh then you could just go around and say hey i've got a good spot if somebody wants you know you know 67 percent spot on this on this really good non-ferrous metal or whatever type of thing. Um, you know, the one of the funnest um, kind of just things for me to do, you, you wanna, you know, talk about Star Citizen is kind of like this, um, this thing that you log in, it's kind of like your like second life, right? Or whatever, like you're, you're one way to kind of experience the future today type of thing. You know, that's the one thing Galaxies did right. I mean, when you could log, you'd log on there, say, oh, I've got to go manage my harvester fleets. This is one of the funnest things in the world to do to me was to go over to my my um, solar uh, farm or my wind farms or whatever. And it matters. Yeah, pick up your pick up your energy, then go make sure you, you did went on your energy run for all of your harvester fleets. You know, making sure that their maintenance was was taken care of for those things. Um, you know, kind of pulling the materials out, maybe you know, bringing them back and centralizing them at whatever your wherever your locate your your crafting location was. It's just 
that whole, like, like I said, Star Citizen would really do themselves a huge favor if they just kind of peel open that onion and take a close look at it. Because realistically, I just, oh, it was such an amazing, uh, you know, such a fun time, such an amazing time. And, and, and like, if, if they don't take anything away from it, you know, just, just, the, just the randomization. Don't make it so modular where everybody just makes the exact same Exxon one drive. You know, throw, That's... throw some kind of a spin in it where somebody can make a better one than another guy. Give somebody the opportunity to like put the time and energy in to make a better something than the next guy down the road. If that's what you want to do in the game. Well, that's why we wax nostalgic about galaxies a lot is that the experience that we got was player driven. Yes. You know, they did a good job of the economy was completely player driven. Absolutely. Uh, you know, they they added the tools in and, you know, as it related to, the, you know, they had a bazaar, um, which is basically kind of like if you ever played an MMO, it's it was like an auction house and sure. you rolled up. But it didn't, you couldn't buy items from it specifically. It would just tell you where they, you know, people would kind of post and say, hey, my shop is on Dathmir at these coordinates. Um, you know, we have a shuttle port. This is where you're going to buy, you know, this particular item with this particular stats. And they, you know, Lucas kind of gave them the tools to build out the player experience. And the reason that we make the correlation between the two is because that's the way Star Citizen, how they said they won't the game to go right they want the players to drive the experience they want you know that that's how things like jump town get started right. you know, these are player driven experiences we just don't have the tools for them yet and you know how far they're going you know what what tool set that they're going to give us we don't know completely we don't know uh, like like you know this collider yeah, you know that's one that's one thing. But if they if they did add in where you went and got materials from, you know, these far off in different locations, where you would make only the you know the hardened crafter, you know, those are the guys that are you know those are the people that will you know take the effort to to go all over and find the best materials because they want to make the best quantum drive ever or they want to make the best shields ever or they want to tweak the best guns ever you know it, these are the things that really would drive the economy these are the things that would really drive the gameplay because it's like hey you know that's a scarcity like we need to go get some shields it's like you know what bob makes the best shields in the game yeah and so you, you yes. know go ahead and a lot of these things that um that were you know the reason you know we're relating both of them is because there's a lot of similarities and and that's basically what's you know driven us to this game to begin with is is that's the you know that the open gameplay is really you know the the sci-fi elements the the ships the, the exotic locations yeah. these are the things that kind of drive us and 
And if you go back and look at, say, galaxies, um, it, it's a lot of things that have, if you look at MMOs from the past, you know, for the past 20 years, because galaxies was 20 years ago. Yes. Think about that. Think of 20 years ago. It blows my mind. And the amount of tech that was in that game. I've never seen a game ever since. And, and, and besides Star Citizen, that was that ambitious, that, you know, had that level of, of uh, detail, had, had that level of, uh, you know, where you could basically do anything. I mean, you could be a droid engineer. You could make your own droids. Yes. You could, uh, it, it got to the point where you could become a shipwright. You could make your own ships. Yep. You take you take those crafting, uh, the same crafting principles that it, it would take for you to, I mean, you even made tools in the game. You know, made tools yeah. to make other tools. You know, it, it, was, it was pretty wild, but you, you could make ships like that. And then you could start making the bet. You know, they had factories, literal factories where yeah. you put blueprints in and it would pump these items out as long as you had the material. Yeah, and that's the and one thing. I mean, you mentioned the blueprint. Remember, like, that was the crazy thing. Like, if you created, like, one of those theoretical limit type items, then you could blueprint that thing. Yeah, you you got that you, you got that smile from R and R and Jesus, and then you're like, ooh, I'm making a blueprint of this. And you could become the guy, you know, like my doctor buffs were on par with the best in the game, you know, like uh, like I think um, there was maybe a there was a handful of us doctors. I would have people lined up, like I'd, I'd log in. And I, for, I, for, I had some kind of a macro system. I can't remember exactly how it worked, but people would line up for, you know, you just set your character there and then people would say some words to you and like you didn't, you just stick them with the different, you know, like, like uh, syringes or whatever to like buff them up. And they would, I mean, it would be a non-stop, like for, like it, every time I logged on, it never stopped. Like it would be literally all day long, every day. As long as, if I was logged on and doing that, I was just making money buffing people with my stuff. You know? What was what was wild about that? Yeah, you made those, you know, the barking commands, you know, what right. I mean by barking is that, you know, you'd see the visual text in the game. Um, but you, it also gave you the functionality where you gave those buffs out and got paid. Yes. After you gave the buff. Um, the same thing, you know, if you had a shop in, galaxies here's something that we haven't seen where it had npc vendors yes where they would go hey we sell the best guns in the game would you like to buy one i mean they actually spoke you'd see the you know you'd see the uh the voice bubble and everything and you're like well absolutely and you would go and you know, buy items off of them, and then, then you know, you click on them, and there's like, what do you want to buy? You know, and it, it'd be, it'd have the different categories, rifles, handguns, whatever. And then you click on it, and there it is. You know, that's all the stuff that I sell. <clears throat> you'd see, you'd see those vendors all over the place. That's something that definitely went. That, that's the reason it, it sparked my imagination a little bit when you, when you said Banu Merchantman and. Star Wars Galaxies is like, well, how how is that going to work on the Banu? That is the Banu Merchant, probably out of all the ships in the game, probably everyone's like, oh, it's my favorite ship. Hasn't even been created yet. 
I know. I've seen so many people say, oh, my favorite ship, yep. Danu Merchant. Okay, <laughs> cool. Well, um, you're exactly right. How's, I mean, how's it going to work? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, he's like, you know, are you, that's, it really is an excellent question. I mean, are you, you going to fly over and fly all around and just kind of buy the things to reset? I mean, no, I mean, you got to make stuff. I mean, you somehow or another, you have to come up with stuff to sell on that thing. You know? Honestly, believe in that, and that's the reason that that kind of sparked this whole conversation was you. <laughs> you're gonna have to have crafting at some level. You're gonna have to make it unique for people to want to go and track your Banu merchantman down to go buy something. If not, then I'd just go to a Dagon vendor. You know, understand. You know, and I, and I truly believe this. There are bounty hunters that are willing to to, to do whatever they possibly can to have the best piece of kit on their side. There are, you know, I mean, that is a for sure thing. There are miners who are willing to go to the nines to have the coolest mining lasers. You know, like, you know what I mean? There are, there are, do not underestimate people's willingness to, to, to walk through any amount of hours if they can somehow affect the items around them and make them better. You know, it, oh. you know, it is just, that is, you know, you know, that would drive the universe forward. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, I'm that weirdo that would spend 20 hours a week making new things. Yep. Tweaking, tweaking my mining lasers, you know, hot riding my prospector up, going to the ends of the universe to find that unique quality material. Yep. You know that that's what gets my gear spinning for absolutely sure. i mean that you know that whole concept of being able to find something unique you know kind of you know and and then find a way to to kind of you know harvest that unique thing or or you know or do something that kind of it's outside it's it's outside of the kind of the homogenous box right it's it's in the it's in kind of that uh it's just unique being able to allow people to to create unique things, you know what I mean? It's just one of those things that nothing, like if somebody's tractor beam, like they can shoot it like twice the distance of a normal one because they found some component to tweak it with, you know, or anything like that. Like there's you know, like if somebody now has a scope that goes 200 more meters than the best scope you can buy in the, you know, in, in, in the shop. And this is the only, you know, this guy, you know, he, he, you know, he's, he's got like 200 up. People are going to track that. People will jump seven systems to go to that band merchant and buy that. You know? and that. That's another thing too, that also brings in the, um, the resource rarity, scarcity, scarcity, exactly. Gameplay to it. That's why people will fight over systems because if you think Jumptown was fun, I honestly believe if, exactly if I had right. a if I had a hotline to Chris Roberts, I'd be going, "Dude, we got to do this. You've, you know, whatever materials it takes to make make these particular items. Whether, okay, you know, let's uh, let's just let's just say your aluminum at a hundred percent. You know, say there was uh, aluminum that spawned in, you know, something that we're familiar with, say like Terra." Right, you know, and so you'd go to Terra. I was like, "Ooh, I heard that uh, you know, Terra had 100% aluminum. You know, we haven't seen 100% aluminum in 
months. Right. Now, the best we've seen so far is set like 75%. Yep, 787s, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever. But, that, and, but that's a 961, man. We've got to go get that stuff. Yep. And uh, everybody everybody would be heading that way, man, you know, fighting fighting for that stuff. So oh, that, that's, how you, that's how you create those funnels, you know, those yeah, attention zones, those little hot yeah. spots where people are out looking for the best. And, you know, someone said, hey, you know, so. Well, that's, and how, you, you, that's how you create economy, though, too, because some somebody's going to be like, you know, they got in early and they got a bunch of that stuff and then it got popular. And now, you know, that it, it's like. You know that's the stuff you know what i mean it's like could you imagine it's like hey i'm gonna give you one unit of this okay now i'm gonna like analyze it oh yeah this is that stuff for sure i want yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's that's how you drive the economy because you know whoever is the uh you know the, the dominant ones out there mine it up and then they you know put it out on the market and you know they sell you know they sell the raw material um you know, we we'd be out there looking for it for absolutely. We'd be everywhere. You know, we'd have we'd have scouts out everywhere looking. You know, looking for the best of the best of the best because you know we want to get our hands on it first. That, and that that's the kind of gameplay oh. that drives me. That that's what gets us out exploring. That's what gets us out finding and tripping over. The, you're talking about how exploration or scientific gameplay rolls. That's how that rolls. Oh, that's yeah. how that functions is getting out and going to these systems that no one's been to before. You know, 100 systems out. You know, they say they wanted to create 100 systems. Yep. And, you know, I hope they do. <laughs> I really, really do. But say, you know, they're 50 jumps out. You know, people don't get out that far or whatever. You know, these these are the things where you get out exploring. Yep. You get out and, and, and find these things and you make it randomly spawn in different places all the time, whether it's it's going to be there for a week, whether it's going to be there for two weeks or whether it's only going to be there for a couple I mean, of days. Imagine this, you know, like if you can have these places where it's so far out that it literally takes like a one little player that has like their little deep space nine. Then the next player like community has their little deep space thing and you have to jump to these player ones in order to get refu you know and buy your refueling way you know to the get to the spot then all of a sudden pirates hit the one you're trapped out there <laughs> you yep. know you know that, that, kind, that of kind of brings us into why oh. you know why you have crucibles why you have legionnaires you know, exactly you, you bring yeah. the whole org with you you know it's like we, oh, we're, man, we're yes. always on the move yes know? we are always on the move exactly so you know, um, you know, and, and you you did a really smart thing, like as you kind of as we launched into this whole, you know, this this side conversation. You said, "Hey, we're about to we're about to, to kind of go off road here," and 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 we did, but in, you know, only because it it does mean so much to us that you know, I mean, Star Citizen, you know, like if you think about galaxies, you know, just to kind of round off my thoughts on galaxies for now, and I know there's millions of times I'll talk about it again, but there wasn't a game that had fps ships you know all of the different things a big sandbox there are massive similarities to the games i mean you know the the one the one thing that is uh, of course different is just um the the way that i mean star citizen is such an incredibly good game i know it's a hot mess you know like of 
of of, of things that uh, that you know don't work and you know I mean we we struggle with those things all the time but honestly once you kind of get bit by this game it's it really is I mean, a super special um, you know you know if Star Citizen failed tomorrow I would be thrilled with the time that I spent in this game. It is, I, I would be thrilled with the fact that I supported it. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that it absolutely pushes, you know, the boundaries for the next 20 years. You know what I mean? I hope that the rest of the time that I'm on the spinning stone, Star Citizen is here and it continues to get better and better and better. I mean that, uh, you know, you know, right down to the core of my soul. You know what I mean? Um, that being said, uh, the, 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 there are these, um, fledgling potentials that you can see in it that really no other game can ever come close to if they first if they just pick up the mantle on a couple of these things it is going you know it's going to go zenith for sure <laughs> well i think uh i think we need to send the game devs uh our podcast <laughs> <laughs> well there's two not two you're not gonna find two just to give them a few little ideas maybe uh you know there aren't two you're not but, gonna find too many more excited fellas about it that's for sure <laughs> well, i'll tell you if you're a new listener and you're new to star citizen you're gonna if, if you really like the sandbox experience if you really love space games you're gonna love star citizen you're gonna find something for you. Yes, it's a hot mess and you know, it's our hot mess. But, you know, I guess that's another thing too, is that, you know, we love finding the workarounds, you know, to, yeah. to, these, to these little things that may, that may plague us from now, you know, now and again. But we, you know, we do. And, and I guess that's, that goes into our problem solving love of things. So, but, um, you know, honestly we have, such high hopes and up I, I think star citizens at that place like i said <clears throat> with 318 on the horizon at the end of the month they're going to start you know um the evocati phase of 318 i believe that that puts the foot in the door that that's that's atlas rolling that ball up to the top of the hill i, I believe you know after we get 4-0 that's when the ball starts rolling down the hill and gaining speed on the other side. Oh, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I, I believe we're at a point now that, uh, you know, it, it's just going to be so many good things from here on out. If if you are starting the game now, it's a good time to get into the game. It's a super good time to get into the game, especially like with the fact that you are starting to see the beginning, like the FPS stuff, you can go shoot people and collect loot. I mean, that's a, just an MMO staple. You know, you can, they do have the, mine, the mining thing fleshed out pretty good. They do have kind of the space combat thing fleshed out pretty good. It's not to say that there aren't bugs or these things don't, oh, they don't consistently work. The dynamic events are starting to come along. There's a new one coming in, you know, you know, 317.2 as well. You know, um, we are starting to get all of the base building blocks together, but that 318 is really beginning to come into focus as something, uh, it's really going to be a, a, a big linchpin for moving forward. You know, it's, I, I, oh, yeah. absolutely. It, it most definitely it, it's it's the beginning of of things for the future for sure you know a lot of i'd say a couple of years ago you know that's when i you know because we 
we've been, both been backers, you know, from early on. And for a long time, you know, I'd log into the game about every six months or so to see what the state of the game is and, you know, how are things progressing. Yeah. And, and, you know, I used to read the roadmap, you know, all the time, keep up with it. And then I hit that little phase where I go, mm, I'll let it do its, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let it percolate for a little while and then I'll come back. Yep. And this last time I came back is, is when I was like, it's in a state that's pretty fun. <laughs> and it put its hooks in me and, and, and that's it. But, you know, if there's one thing I can articulate to you guys out there is that These, you know, you, you, you brought up the bugs and things. Yes, but you can see the ideas, you know, coming into focus. You, you can, can see things starting to come to fruition. You can, you can see all, you know, it's like, oh, you're like, yeah, but just think when they get all this, on, you know, get all this online, how this is going to change. You're like, oh, man, I already love it now. I can't imagine what it's going to be like. You know, when it goes in the full implementation, you know, all this stuff gets implemented, full implementation of the game. You're like, oh my, sky's the limit. It's awesome. It's going to be great. You know, I think that's an excellent segue to, there was a, a little bit of something I wanted to talk about and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and just to kind of, um, just to, just like you're saying, you know, you see kind of something coming that's going to make a, a big difference in the game or it's going to be kind of a future piece for how the game's going to going to go and um and, and uh and then all of a sudden you get to do it and you're all you really really enjoyed and i you know i i went you know i want to speak to refueling a little bit i know that we're you know we generally you know kind of run these things around two hours and we you know you know we uh um you know we want to leave a little wiggle room in there to chat about refueling so we have been doing a lot of refueling lately not as you know not not you know not not every night or anything by any stretch of the imagination but we have had uh you know um we're we're kind of using uh the refu the starfarers in um in fleet movement type things and we're also doing some training uh because we want to get very efficient at it but can, just peel all that away can i just say how like you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure I ever wanted to work at a gas station so much in my life. I, I really like refueling. I think it's a fun thing to do. I think it's a fun thing to just have your ship refueled. I think it's a fun thing to refuel the ships. I love the idea of hailing a ship and then getting a response back and ha flying up to the boom arm and, you know, like, and I love the UI. You know, it's not, listen, all that stuff can be improved, but the fact that you kind of have to, you know, kind of, open up the, the, you know, open up the, um, uh, the tanks and kind of manage the flow and, you know, and all that stuff. And it, you know, it's a little bit of a mini game to it, you know, not, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, I think, uh, one of the things, you know, to, to go fat try and do it as fast as you possibly can. And of course it does have its quirks or whatever, but I just want to say like refueling in general is just a fun Thing to do, funner than I expected it to be, but one of those things you kind of see coming. But then when you actually, like, uh, you know, I think uh, if it wasn't, uh, it was last night, I believe we had, you know, uh, you know, four of us standing on the back of that thing with, you know, an aerial armor, uh, and then a, uh, it was a Scorpius, I think. Is mm -hmm. that? 
Is that what it was? Yep, Scorpius. Yeah, yeah. kind of we were refueling that thing and man, you know, you're looking, you're sitting, you're sitting in the back of the, of the, of the Starfarer. It's got this, these huge catwalks on the back of it. You're looking down at a, at Walla. Um, there's a Scorpius on the end of the boom arm. Um, and then there's, you know, there's the four of you kind of industrial players kind of standing there, like managing the UI, you know, the, the different, you know, the, the, uh, terminals at the catwalk, making sure that the refueling gets done correctly. I do not, if you like sci-fi, I don't know, like, I know it's just a mundane task, but dude, that was a awesome experience. It is a lot of fun. Well, it takes multiplayer gameplay to the nth degree. It does. Because it, it takes all those guys to run that ship. And that's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, you want to have fun with your friends? Get a Starfare. Because it's one of those things that's... There's a lot of fleshing out to do. But even in the state that it's in, you can have so much fun with your friends running a Starfare. You know, we are more of an organized... Uh, you know, we have a little bit more organized gameplay, but... And, you know, we want to be the best of the best. That's that's why we work on it so hard. But just having those guys, you know, all working together. Ah, it's awesome. It is awesome. You got you got, you got your fuel boss that's, you know, running the refueling. You got a pilot. You've got, you know, People that are helping to guide the ship in. You've got gunners. Yeah, it, it's 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 just a lot of fun. When they <laughs> when they kind of rework the uh, the interior of the Starfarer a little bit, but it's going to get a little bit gonna look a bit better because it's kind of a the way they set up. It's kind of a maze, but oh man, it's still an awesome ship. And just the concept. I mean, just the concept of doing ship to ship refueling is is really fascinating the fact that like when you you know the first time you kind of have a, ca a, a caterpillar come in and it's you know we, you know or you know just the different ships and just kind of you know how that you know how the refueling goes and, and, and you know it's just it's a very interesting thing you know and i know that it's it's seen, like for for the people who just go oh, i'll just fly back to a station it's only stanton i get it but it's going to be at some point as these systems get bigger and we do get out of Stanton and we will get out of Stanton, you know, at some point you're going to find yourself behind a Starfarer and you're going to need fuel. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and, and you'll then have that moment probably like, you know, where you're like, this is actually really cool. It really is a cool thing, you know? So, uh, just a lot of fun with that. I mean, I've really enjoyed that. Um, I do think that it's a, it's a critical piece of kind of getting into pyro. Um, and I hope that, you know, you know, I know the training that we're doing is going to pay dividends in the future. We're, you know, we're getting a lot of guys familiar with the UI. Uh, we're definitely trying to get our pilots used to kind of, you know, how they have to orientate to the craft. You know, how you, you know, there, you, you really do kind of, there's a lot of stuff to kind of learn. Um, and there's a little bit of like, you know, it's just like a star citizen. There's, it's got its quirks. 
Um, but overall, it's uh, you know I just enjoyed it. Like and in uh, the Scorpio, it's like a top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last night, uh, when you terminate, or you know, there's a couple different ways to disengage from the, the at the end of the refueling. There's uh, the somebody in the um, Starfarer can do what's called a terminate, which you know kind of retracts the boom arm and and kind of ends the refueling session. Or the pilot can hit N, uh, which is you know kind of breaks the auto dock and breaks the, the like kind of the you're 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 kind of coupled up to the uh, uh, refueling the boom arm, and if you just kind of hit N, it will break that um, at that point. Uh, there's it's just kind of a weird bug. I mean, kind of a maybe a public service announcement. You know, if you happen to be refueling and you're de you're you're at the end of your refueling job, and and they're either about to terminate or you're about to just hit N and and, and kind of you know fly away. I think that really the big rule of thumb is don't don't go anywhere fast because there are times when the starfarer is kind of you know there's this reorientation that happens in a blink where like this like you could be lined up like literally if you're both facing you know the same direction right because the the nose of the starfarer is is you know and you're facing the tail of the starfarer where the boom arm is then all of a sudden like you know in a, just a blink in like one frame literally it's one frame uh when i was doing a, a recording video when i was going frame by frame there's like this little kind of weird look it's like in two frames the, the starfare is gone and uh, it's actually at your six o'clock position it's right behind you so if you kind of freak out uh and and you can actually kind of end up damaging the ship or in, in a couple of the cases it actually spun the ship when that happened and that, that was was funny but it's you know something you have to look out for it spun it to the point where where the pilot blacked out <laughs> pulled a lot of g's coming off that boom arm but it spun it like a top. You're not gonna, exactly yeah yeah you know but you're not going to find a more engaging gameplay it's it's really fun and we have a great bunch of guys yes, and they they work real hard because we want to be those you know we want to be about you know ahead of the curve yeah we don't need it we don't need it now but we will and you know all this all the training that we do especially with fleet movement it's that we want to be the best at you know it's just that weird thing that we have. We want to be the best at what we do. And so we train at it all the time. And, and make no mistake about it. At some point when there's these mobile fleets going around, you know, victories aren't necessarily going to always boil down to individual skills. Sometimes they will, of course. But sometimes victory is going to boil down to the fact that we can get, you know, we, we can put 12 fighters back on top of you before you can get your you know before you we can refuel our guys faster than you can refuel your guys oh, absolutely and absolutely. And, and, and just overwhelm you because you know you just can't match you know kind of the back end the so the logistics many armies have lost because the other army was just better at logistics even though you had a superior fighting force you know you got there exhausted and hungry <laughs> so yep you know it's, and when uh you know, when the Crucible and the Legionnaire and things like that come in, we're going to be the, the fastest at repairing. That's the goal. I mean, that's that's that's, 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 that's what that's that's what we that, that's what we strive for. So, anyways, yeah, th you know, I appreciate you kind of humoring me. I know refueling. It's just, I just like it's one of those things. You know, I mean, we talk about the industrial stuff quite a bit, uh, and I have just I I mean, I just re enjoyed refueling. I've just that we've done it a couple of you know a few times. Uh, the fleet movement stuff is great. Um, the trainings are great. It's just, 
you know, I would highly encourage anybody to get out there and, you know, uh, and I know that there's not a lot of people actually actively doing refueling because, you know, you could pirate it and you have to, some costs involved in it. But if you happen to be in and, you know, give yourself an opportunity to, to kind of, to go refueling or give yourself an opportunity to, uh, um, to get refueled by a Star Trek, do it, do it for sure. You know, um, it, it's, it's definitely worth, uh, worth the price of admission. Yeah, I know. I know we're kind of biased because we love that industrial gameplay, but it, it is. It, it's probably, you know, some of the most fun you're going to have multiplayer by far right now. That isn't combat related. Well, you know, it could be combat related. Actually, you know, if you don't have a big org around you, it probably will be combat related. <laughs> well, but in the most, yeah, it, it anyways, still, right? <laughs> it'd still be, it'd still be pretty fun. You, you know, you, you have that giant, you know, five, you know, that size five gun on the top, and you do, you know, it, it can put some work in. So, so anyway, yeah. so yeah, yeah, like I said. So uh, the mole's still broken yet, by the way, everybody. That's, well, yeah, heads up, everyone. Mole's still broke. <laughs> you know, we, we just, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of interesting how, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people, there are a lot of, I, I, I do hear a lot of people kind of don't necessarily, of course I hear, I, it's fans of the game. A lot of solo players love the mole. A lot of people don't like the mole. Uh, there are a lot of people who don't think the mole has a, has a reason. The mole actually is a very important tool for us. And, you know, like it, it actually kind of pays a central part of our extraction uh, team. You know, we, we extract with that thing, you know, qu quite a bit. And so the fact that it can, I mean, if you're going to break some part of the mole, break the mining part of it with the extraction part, man, we needed that. You know, so, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, I, we, I, we are looking forward to, hopefully there are some bug, you know, I think that there's a few things that need a, a little bit of a love and attention and, you know, uh, you know, I'm never going to let the, I never want to let the, 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 um, the industrial stream go by without saying, Hey, you know, we're, you know, if, if anybody's out there is listening and you're a little bummed that your mole's not, we feel your pain. I mean, there are, oh, we, we most definitely feel your pain. We haven't, we haven't been able to work on our efficiencies and you know for a couple of weeks now so and we're hoping you know in a couple of weeks it'll be fixed when this next patch rolls out uh, and that we can you know use the terminals and the refineries again because <laughs> there are some you know there, there's still some items that you can't buy anywhere else but but those refinery terminals absolutely so so we're really excited for those to come back online um along with everything else well but, Zell, you know, you know we, I, we can't can't wait <laughs> we can't we can't so um you know for i just wanted to say uh once again uh just uh you know just you know zell and i kind of have this running joke that we can we can make a lot of something out of nothing sometimes <laughs> when it comes to conversation um but okay, I, yeah, just just get us rolling, man. Just, just get, wind us up. <laughs> exactly. Just kind of exactly put the put the key in and give her a twist back there, and we'll just kind of walk through it. But uh, you know, the, the reality is, is um, you know, this is a super enjoyable thing to do, uh, and it's not. I don't necessarily know that people. You know, I know people enjoy this format because it's something they can just throw on their headphones if they're on a long drive. Uh, they want to, you know, they're into Star Citizen. They know we're into Star Citizen, uh, and it does give them, you know people an opportunity to kind of, um, 
you know, just kind of uh, vicariously just kind of think about the things in theory. I think people are just as interested as we are in theory crafting. So I've really enjoyed tonight once again. Oh, it's always it's always a pleasure, brother. I tell you, it really is. All right. Well, I think we're going to call that one a, a wrap on the, uh, you know, the, the third episode of the Rock Runners Report. Um, did we, I, I'm not sure we did the intro, but we're going to do the outro. So uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, I hope that you all have a lovely uh, a, a lovely week. And, and uh, I know that Zell and I are going to be working hard on uh, some future content. And, and, uh, and take care. Everybody, like, subscribe, leave your comment. And we'll see you next week on the Rock Runners Report.